Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. They partake in shitty trolling. It's like, mm, bye. Well, anyway, uh, this is a podcast <laughs> right now. Uh, it's called The Three Questions. I am um, your host, Andy Richter, and I am speaking today with the very funny Beth Stelling. Hello. Uh, stand-up extraordinaire, comedy writer, yeah. uh, jock chick. You're kind of a jock chick, aren't you? <laughs> Weren't you sort of skinny? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't gotten to put. I haven't been playing field hockey because of, you know, the pandemic. <laughs> well, couldn't you wear a mask? I mean, do you well, really get that close? Well, I don't know. They're not running the game, so I can't play. No. Do you really play field hockey still? Yeah. Wow. Where? At um, John Adams Middle School. I mean, look, I don't want a crowd showing up, but yeah. Now, are you playing against middle schoolers? Because that seems unfair. <laughs> No, that no. I'm much more talented than middle schoolers, Andy. <laughs> oh um, shit! Here she comes again. <laughs> yeah, don't get, don't awaken the beast inside me. I uh, yeah, was it? It's like a it's a co-ed league of adults, all all levels, all ages. Wow, does it get brutal? Because that's a brutal game. Yeah, I mean, I lose control of my body. I've I've <laughs> shit yourself. I've been mistaken for being aggressive when I'm like, no, I'm old, and you're 18 and played for Duke. <laughs> So I don't know. I'm trying to stop my body from running into you, but right, it's right, right. not listening. I was always like when I was a kid, I was always the kid that like hurt the other children with well-meaning play. You know? <laughs> just, just the, because the Lenny of softball. A little bit. Yeah. Like I, I, like I specifically remember one time playing touch football and um, it was a kickoff and the kid was running toward me and I, you know, it's two hand touch. Yeah, and I two hand touched him, and he. It looked like you know in movies when a stunt man is supposed to be blown back by a blast, <laughs> and they have elastic to their waist, and they just go fly. Just he went like off his feet and landed like six feet behind where he was, and was like, <laughs> "Jesus Christ!" Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. You're I like just, I wasn't even trying. Honestly, I was, yeah, I just wanted to pet the bunny. That's all. <laughs> I, I didn't know I would kill it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I definitely, I I think I I if I'm trying to think if I did anything bad that I feel it was always by mistake. I do think I may have broken someone's nose. Oh really? But I, but I don't. I'm I was tall. I was always pretty tall, and I was a defender. Yeah. So yeah. and forwards were often not always, but shorter and quick. And I think maybe I just I think. It, I never played to hurt. Is my right, point. Right, right. Yeah, I never. Did, uh, 
I never don't like you, trash talked or anything like that. Don't they wear like face masks? Though? Now they do because oh, they we do had now. people's lives ruined by it. I mean, straight dry. My friend Althea, who actually went on to, she's a designer now, but she was the first of us to like make something of herself. She was on Project Runway. Oh, wow. She was like the runner up, but she was a Ford and she was or maybe, yeah, very, very tall. And she got the coach slammed a drive, a line drive right here. It hit her directly in the nose. Wow. It was like a C cut, blood gushing. And then she had to wear a mask the rest of the season. And then now I think they all pretty much wear goggles or masks. Yeah. It's like a new rule. I thought there was like a face guard kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, maybe that's what Like it they is. wear in cricket kind of, you know. My sister coached for a bit, our old high school team. Yeah. Um, anyway, I should know the answer, but we don't wear one. We wear mouth guards. Nice. But it's a no, it's technically a no hit league. Oh. But you can like push past and you can push past the entire length of a turf field. Yeah, yeah. Like hip check kind of thing. You can do that. Yeah, you don't right? want to be doing that. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. Is that you a, can maybe a, walk somebody out with your hip, but it's like not really necessary. These are like pickup games. Ah. Uh, now, field and, hockey is kind of, is that, was that a big thing? You're in, from Ohio, correctly? Right. I'm correct? Midwest. Is yep. that, is that like a big thing there? Because there was no field hockey in Illinois. Right. As I'm far trying to think if we ever played, we might have played, I'm getting field hockey and speech confused because we would go to Glenbrook High School, but that was for speech. Yeah. So yeah, it, hockey was, we had to, tr- to your point, we had to travel pretty far for away games. You know, yeah, like yeah. it is usually, I guess it's more of a Northeastern thing. Right. Um, it but it seems- is, it's technically everywhere. You know, I think I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure there's West Coast California college teams and stuff. Yeah. I know. Oh yeah. There would have to be. They're everywhere. It's a, but- yeah. It's a, but it always struck me as it seemed like a prep school kind of thing. Like it just, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. We would get our butts handed to us by private girls schools. Yeah, Cause that's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of, they're, they're able to like live and breathe it more. Yeah. And we were like, I don't know, had boys around to distract us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's we boys will do that. In a, a beautiful suite in Kitchenette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, where are you from in Ohio? Southwest. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Um, technically Oakwood is my little town. Which we yeah. always we always got like a like if if someone's listening and they're from that area, they're I love how I'm like getting defensive before anything happens. Um, everyone would be like joke wood or like call us like the rich kids and stuff. And there are absolutely rich kids. And uh, and I grew up just fine. But my mom was a teacher in Kettering City School. So we were like right on the border. Oh, okay. And, um, and you know, she raised us on our own there. We had, I worked with a lot of the kids from Fairmont, which was the neighboring school and our rival in field hockey. Mm-hmm. And so when they would find out I was from Oakwood, they would always kind of, I don't know treat me like i was like spoiled and then they drive Uh-oh. off in a thunderbird with their cell phone and i waited for my mom to pick me up in the damn dodge caravan that wouldn't stop bonging because the door wouldn't close i was just uh, sort of like cool yeah yeah uh that always bothered me but um yeah it was like a it's still a beautiful school and a great you know good place to grow up yeah but a good, pl- a good place to leave am i right Yes. There was always a superlative that was most likely to stay under the dome. Oakwood was kind of called the dome. Why? Because um, in a lot of ways, it was its own little secluded town, this oh. little safe zone that they was perfectly manicured. Like, you know, as much as I'm defensive about the rap for it, they're not wrong. Yeah. 
you know. Was it like, a, did it have like a little quaint area, downtown area? Yeah, yeah, shops little and, shops of Oakwood. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my sister's first job uh, at this place called Central Per Cafe. It was this couple that came from, I don't want to get it wrong, but I think the Liverpool area. Mm-hmm. I feel bad if that's wrong. But anyway, they moved over and started this like proper English cafe. Wow. With scones and high tea. And um, I did not work there because, quite frankly, I often couldn't understand what one of the owners was saying. Um, I worked at, my first job was across the street at Grater's Ice Cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm, which was, you know, potentially a mistake. I quit track and field to work at Grater's my sophomore yeah, that, or junior year. <laughs> that, I mean, speaking for myself, that would be a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were samples had. There were mistakes Sundays taken home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was in college, I worked at a a place that's. I mean, they made like Dairy Queen blizzards. That, oh, you know, this yes. is like 1988. So, or I mean, uh, 84 to 86, and blizzards were very hot. But these were like high end blizzards, like a higher mm. quality of soft serve and something like cement mix, ninety mix ins and stuff. And yeah, that was. That was not good for did, uh, did you have a, a chunky kid. Uh, no, but I would go home because, you know, you put it on like a, you, you put the stuff in and then you put it on a milkshake mixer, you know, like yeah. the spinning blade. And you would just get, go home with like a, a spatter of butter fat. S- splash them. Just uh, like my arms just covered with like specks of, of butter fat from the, from the ice cream. Yeah, ours um, was. Similar, but didn't you like if you weren't careful on that mix machine, if you weren't properly watching it and like actually doing it, it would cling to the blade and slide up and splash everywhere. Yes, like or explosion. You could, or you could cut through the side of the cup if you were because we used. Oh, plastic you did it. Cups. See, we used the silver. Yeah, like, like a soda fountain. No, this you did it in the cup, and you had to be very careful, or else you could cut through the side of it. Oh yeah, that was which good. the boss would be like, if you cut through the side, just put it in another cup. Don't redo the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my mom could never get the stink out of my shirts. <laughs> it was just like old milk. Yep. My yep. my sh- work shirt smelled like mm, barf. It's one of the worst smells in the world. I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday about when my kids were little, I had a car that came off lease that I had to dismantle the armrest because the whole car smelled. It was just disgusting the whole car smelled like old yogurt and i had, and i was like this car i had to i had to like dismantle the head re- or the armrests and it was just like just disgusting buildup of milky goo wash out you know with like bleach or whatever and then just like let it sit open in the driveway with the windows open for like two days and then it was still kind of stinky like i still had to kind of like really spray the car down when I took it back in to, you know. Did they did they take it back? You should yeah, have let, sure. Oh, I mean, good. You know. You could have let always... a dog loose in there for a couple of days. <laughs> just let it lick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let it lick. I thought you meant let it let it just like get dog smell. <laughs> oh, no. The cover up. The... Yeah. I was thinking cleanup duty. <laughs> now, um, you said you were from a, a single Mom family was how that's there right. was there just two of you? Uh, I mean, just you. You said you had a sister, right? So I've got I've got two older sisters, Megan and Hannah, and my mom. 
yeah. raised us for a while. She did remarry once, actually. Oh, yeah? She, yeah. I always joke that um, she accidentally married the church organist. And so that was a trip. But I'm the yeah. kid. You know, there's always a kid that's home longest with that guy. Yeah, yeah. It was me because I was the youngest. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I always, like, preface things with, like, I have some material about this because I always feel disingenuous if I'm repeating. But, yeah. I mean, I liked him at first. And then my yeah. sisters said, we hate him. And I said, me too. I'm doing whatever you guys are doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I think it's like there were fun times to be had. But it's odd when someone moves into your home like that. And yeah. we had a smaller home and one bathroom. Things oh. change so drastically when not just someone else comes into the home, but a dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of women, first of yeah. all, like in one house. Mm -hmm. uh, and then girls, you, you know, gr I have a daughter who's going to be 15 soon. And I just know like 11 to 14 has been, it's a, it's a, it's a big, a, 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 Teenage girl of that age is a big presence in your home. Yeah. And so when you triple that. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like for me, that age, because they got married on my ninth birthday. Yeah. Which was not a gift, like directly on my birthday. Wow. And my mom said that's bad. Yeah, that's not. that. Was, yeah. And I, it wasn't like a, guess what? I think it was kind of one of those, it's the only day. Yeah, yeah. I have no clue. But the point is, she still feels bad. And, but that age... And I mean, I didn't smile in any of the wedding photos and <laughs> something that now is great to look back on. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's that age is for me, at least, was still like, oh, maybe this is like a dad figure. Yeah. And then you like you're saying, as you're progressing, that the time that he was in our home is such a big change. It's basically going from like, maybe you're my dad to like, who's fucking my mom? You know what I mean? Like, it's such a transition to, of feelings and changes, yeah. even a, of what I was going through, you know? Yeah. Because I had my first, like, real relationship at 15. So, I don't know, my first real boyfriend. I mean, yeah. sooner, I guess, but I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say something else and then I stopped myself. Right, I know. You, <laughs> in, in 10 minutes or so, you'll be saying it. <laughs> you'll soften up. You'll forget your place. I've and, been you know. fucking since 15. <laughs> uh, well, now, how does that scare you now that you just told me that your daughter's 15? I had a lot of things going through my head. No, honestly, and I can say this because I know she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> It's up to her. I, you know, that, that is something, and this isn't like, uh, it's not like, oh, I'm such an ally kind of thing, but it is like that when fathers say proprietary shit about their daughter's sexuality, it makes my fucking skin crawl. Yeah. And it has done that since I, before I had kids. I was always like, what do you, you know, like, uh, guy comes to date my daughter i you know i you better watch it i'm gonna really intimidate him and you know <laughs> put my gun on the coffee table so he knows that i'll murder him right if he you know if these teenagers respond to their own horniness 
Right. You know, which I just always was like, why don't, why? And like I say, she doesn't, but like, why don't daughters get to be horny? Like, I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, as long as you give them the, you know, the information. And we are. I was humping all kinds of stuff around the house. Yes. I feel like it's just like, it is an odd thing that's not as much talked about. I, I have a, my, uh, I have a joke about it in my upcoming special, but it's like, I remember when we were learning about sex ed, our health teacher was saying basically that this is like part of the joke and it's real that they taught their sons how to masturbate or at least yeah. like that sounds graphic, but you know, taught them what it was. It's like, that's not to my knowledge. That wasn't really, that's not being taught to most young girls. Like, Hey, here's no. what you could do to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, and I think if that I'm, I'm not, I'm not over here saying like on her 14th birthday, get her a dildo. I just am saying yeah. like, talk about it because sure. they're, I've babysat little girls and they're humping stuff. I like, had a, I had a daughter, and you like, I I had not been around like, I had not been around a a, a developing, and I mean little, like pr- before she's five. Yes, it's same. Like, I babysat all all types of young little kids. Kids find their genitals and they go nuts, and you yeah. know, and I I hadn't ever been, and I was like, wow, <laughs> she really. She's really fond of that part of her body. Right, uh, right. You know. And I mean, I will say the par- the parents I dealt with, I respect, because they never, they were not like, knock it off, yeah. like some sort of humpy dog. They would say something like, remember, that's for your bedroom, and, and you can do that alone, that's or something like time. that. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing you say, that's for alone time. Yeah, you know? or yeah. just you or something like that. But right. it's it, it would be nice, I guess, if it were talked about. I don't fault my mom. It's not like I was ill-equipped, but... It would be nice to just maybe, even if it's uncomfortable, you have the yeah. discussion that's like, here's why it feels good. You right. have like nerve endings there. And, you know, if, if you explore it yourself, then you'll have a more a more um, fun time once you choose to do it with someone else. Well, also, you'll, know you'll, have you like. a fun, you'll have a fun time right now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you I won't mean, make the mistake you know. of handing the keys over to another 15 year old yeah. who has I no mean, clue what they're well, doing. Well, you know, it certainly makes the time pass better, mm-hmm. you know, more enjoyably. And I, we, I, well, <laughs> and I don't think, I also think like, I never, nobody ever taught me how to, but you yeah. figured it out, you know. Right. But I, I also, I've, I've dated guys so that felt shame or like didn't know what they were doing, did it well, too soon before. Yeah. I certainly didn't. You know, I wasn't boasting about it. And in fact, I remember in high school, there was a kid. And of course, he was like the kid that, uh, like, that was like a, a, a man, like had like hairy legs and chest in like eighth grade <laughs> and was and was eight inches taller than everyone. And then by the time we were sophomores, he was four inches shorter than everyone and starting to bald. Whoa. Yeah. It, and, uh, but I remember he in class talked about, like, talked openly about, like, yeah, masturbation is a normal, healthy thing. And just that he got, like, ridiculed. teased, ridiculed by it. And I, and I even, it's like one of my, mo- like, the things that I think back in my life with shame. And I teased him about it at lunch when other people were teasing him about it. And just the look on his face, I immediately was like, oh, why did I do? Yeah. Of course. Like, he's not saying anything that, like, he's just, he's admitting something that we're all, everybody's fucking jerking off like crazy. 
Yes. And he's just brave enough to talk about it. And we have to fucking make fun of him. And I, it was like, it was actually like kind of a formative, like, you know, I don't, I never really teased anybody that about, well, not necessarily about just masturbating, but just, yeah. it was like a, like, oh, that did not feel good. I'm not, I'm not one of those. <laughs> I, right. don't, I don't get off on, on making fun of somebody, you know, for that uh, and to their face and humiliating people. It's not good. Yeah. So. I love yeah. how he was like doing the right thing. Most guys are like, in high school, most dudes are like, instead of just like masturbation is normal, they're basically like, I use this girl to jerk off. And everybody's yeah. like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I know. And it, well, it was, I do think things are, I do think things are just easier now. And I do think like, like when you said like, More there's accessible. no one. Yeah. When there's no one to talk about it, but there is like, you know, teen Vogue telling kids how to masturbate. You know, I mean, like, they were telling us. Cosmo is probably how I learned about blowjobs and how to give them. Oh, really? And that, yes, and that was that was me in high school. It was shop class, shop class for me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, no, Cosmo was always a good, a good like. Cosmo was yeah, Cosmo was a puzzler for teenage boys because I think it was like. I don't know. I don't know how other boys. Well, other boys. I, I was fairly repressed. I think. I and I. There's all kinds of reasons to, for that. But I spent probably the first twenty years of my life not really understanding the sort of equality of horniness of sexuality. Like I, I just thought <clears throat> like sex was something that women did for men because they were nice. You know, mm-hmm. and it yeah. took it, and I just I don't know whether that's my mom's fault, like for not like, I mean, not that I'm, you know, I want my mom to be horny in front of me, but I, I feel like she kind of was not, you know, the most open about sexuality and kind, mm. you know, and was kind of maybe a little judgmental, you know, towards other, you know, right. I don't know, but I just I always felt like that's not something that women are into. And then you find out like, Oh no, they are. And Oh, hooray. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, get, getting to film school and like finally being around like artsy girls who are. <laughs> right. But I think know. that contributes to like the idea that women, you know, like what you learned or whatever, whatever you absorbed doesn't even mean it had to be taught to you. Yeah. Was that. And therefore, that contributes to like a long system of sometimes thinking like, like, I don't know. I was just thinking of this yesterday, actually. It's like, why do I have to be thankful? Why am I like so impressed or whatever when a guy's like very vocal or communicative? Like, hey, can I go down on you? Or, you know, like just talking about things or, um, you know, similarly like in bed being like, no, I want to make sure that you yeah. orgasm. And it's like, wow, thanks. But it's because I think for so long, like so what you, whatever you absorb stuck around too, that which is just like, oh, you're doing this for me and thank you. And I'm so happy to have this happening instead of like the mutual enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we're, we're in this together. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of us are going anywhere. So <laughs> it's, it's always better at a party if everyone's having a good time. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, I know it is, but you know, I don't know. It's, you know, it is kind of the, um, 
you know, men don't have to, when you run things, you don't expect that you have to like be considerate. That's just basically it. That's, you know, I mean, and it's, it's, you know, that's not the way you should be. And that's not the way everyone is, but that's like, that's the easiest. That's the path of least resistance when you are a member of the power structure is to be like, Hey, fuck it. I don't care. I got mine, you know? Yeah. And whether that's an orgasm or, a job or a scholarship or, you know, uh, the ability of not being beaten by, yeah. by law enforcement, you know, you're like, Hey, sure. whatever. Uh, I don't know. What do I care? Well, uh, I think that's, it is interesting. Um, you know, we're obviously experiencing people sort of now being like, well, I it, like, I guess I'm trying to think of the clearest example that I saw someone figure it out. And because like, if you understand it, if you like you do, which is what you just pretty much just acknowledge, which is like, well, it, it's not affecting me. I'm kind of like easy breezy going along. So it's, I'm going to keep doing that. And yeah. how do we, how do we fault that person? Yeah. Well, this is a dark example, but things like watching The Hunting Ground or something on Netflix, which is about like the college rape epidemic. And for me, I'm watching it and they're interviewing a dad and his daughter was raped by someone on the football team. And basically, I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, sorry, this is not funny. But um, basically, she was raped by someone on the football team. He comes to town expecting, like, investigation, justice. And this is a white man. Um, and the the police force to work with him and and this man to be stopped, captured, whatever. And, captured is a funny word. But um, yeah. Stopped, brought to justice. Held accountable, yeah. Yeah. Instead, he's able to finish the game. They were a championship football team. Uh, the girl was ridiculed, ostracized, called a liar, and she eventually committed suicide. Oh. And the dad is sitting there, and it's the first time he's realizing, like, I thought they would help her. Yeah. Because of what I've experienced with the yeah, police. Yeah. But I sat there for months with her as she fought, and we waited for what never came. So yeah. it's like, again, this is a very, very dark example, but it took that for that grown man of mm-hmm. a daughter who was whatever it would have been, 19, 20, to be like, oh, they don't help you? Yeah. They help me. Yeah. And it took that long, and I think that that's still what people aren't quite understanding. Like, I work hard. They should work hard, too. Yeah. It's like, you can't outwork racism or yeah. sexism or whatever it is, and for you yeah. to not understand that's upsetting. Yep. Not to mention just like obviously all these systems in place that contribute to it. So I'm experiencing it. We all are right now. Just I'm sure you have people in your life too that aren't quite getting it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, you're sort of. in a better situation than I am, but I have some Florida family members in Michigan. Yeah. No, I, there aren't. I, I mean, I have, I have cousins that are sort of, uh, you know, like the polite kind of old style GOP mm-hmm. and, and they voted for Trump and they don't, they don't like how, you know, I mean, basically there, there seems to be the Republican party that's all in for Trump. And that's like gleefully watching, you know, people get ejected from rallies or questioning mm-hmm. if they're, you know, they see a Hispanic person that why are you in this country or, you know, uh, 
enjoying moms being shot by rubber bullets in Portland. I mean, they're online openly enjoying uh, wow. people getting shot by rubber bullets. And then there's kind of like, well, and then there's the nice Republicans who think that all of that is very unseemly and very rude and just tacky. And, you know, Trump is just trashy. And, oh, I wish he wouldn't say that stuff. Yeah, like we're supposed to rob these people in peace. Yeah, that's the thing is it's it's kind of just an extension an extension of all the same stuff. But anyway, field hockey. Uh, <laughs> very yes, very uh, seamless transition. Thank you. Yeah, no, I went to podcast school for segues. Um, <laughs> now wait, you so your mom? When did your mom and dad divorce? If I may go, that was in eighty eight. And how old were you? Not even born yet. Not no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say I don't know. Do you want to give your age? I mean, but I, mean, I was in. I was in my. Um, I was about three. Oh wow! And or almost three. I'm confused. Yes. Yeah. And three, four. What's the difference? <laughs> I had a drinking problem either way. <laughs> uh, I think, and then yes, and there was a period of time where I didn't see my dad. And it was just, you know, my mom on her own there um, up until about age nine. So, you know, there was a lot, it was a lot, just us four, like this wow. kind of core four of women. And I think that was a, probably another reason why it was tough to like let a new guy in. Was um, was his lack of presence his doing, your mom's doing, or a combination of both, if I may ask? It was his. Yeah, it was yeah. his doing. And I mean, that of sucks. course, there's takes two to tango. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely his. And he moved to Orlando, Florida. Um, I, I told this joke on on Conan in front of you, I think. But um, to be an actor, which is you know not where you go. And he's he's. I talk about this in my upcoming special. But like he went down there, and he just he's still there since. But yeah, he remarried, and that was another odd part. You know, like that's another human. To go once we finally he won visitation rights we we go down there and meet our new stepmom which yeah. is a whole you know it's, it's a lot for kids it's a lot for kids to get on a plane and fly from Ohio to Florida yeah 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 <laughs> and, and I was doing you, that you from had, age six on and he was married to her before you met her or anything right? yeah we didn't get there was no screening oh, for boy. us yeah not like you should have to have your kids choose the person or anything. No, but, but you certainly want to involve them in the process. And I, yeah, that know. was pretty wild. Yeah. To be like, was, this is a stepmom. Yeah, that's that's like one of the one of the things that I felt when I had kids was like, and I and I didn't I didn't have it like a like a like a formed opinion that I could describe, but it was more of an instinctual thing that had dawned on me as my kids got older. And I is like, I really wanted to have some respect for them as individuals and as like members of the team and -hmm. that they needed to be kind of like, you don't let them, they still, you still got to be like, no kid wants to be in charge. They may think they want to be in charge, but it's bad for them. Yeah, It's bad for everybody. So, but you do want to involve them in it. And that was always like, that was the kind of shit that made me crazy when I was a kid, when it just seemed like, oh, all this shit's happening. And I don't, oh, I I guess I'm, okay, this is what's happening. You know, here's the agenda. 
you know, young boy, you're yeah. doing this now. Like, well, okay. All right. I don't want to. Yeah. Or yeah. And then to there not being a lot of room for complaints of it. And I, and that is not to, you know, I think I was raised pretty well and there was a lot of kind of great stuff that happened, but, but yeah. Yeah. I mean that we definitely experienced that too, like an extreme extent, which is yeah. having to get on a plane and spend an entire summer away from my mom, you know, in a place that I wasn't totally familiar with right. Orlando, Florida for a month in the summers. That's so long. That's such a long so period of time hot. to be away from your mom. And so yes. hot. Oh. Humid. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of crabgrass. Was there room for you guys in his home? I mean We um we all three of us I'm trying to remember the setup. Oh, I think it was my my older I always liked the air mattress. <laughs> um <laughs> I, they, my sister's on this, whatever it would have been, full-size bed. So we all three shared a bedroom. Our uh-huh. suitcase is open for most of the summer on the ground. Yeah. Wow. And um, and I was on the air mattress on the ground. Yeah. And did, but, uh, yeah. how was stepmom? You know, I mean, the reality is she drank too much. Yeah. Um, which is the earliest stories of my stand-up comedy. Oh, so, really? like, Yeah, that's how I would get, I'd come back make the field hockey team laugh about my step parents mostly. Yeah. Um yeah, just like I guess my first real like story that I put into my act would have been us at Margaritaville. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I think me no no no. The first place was Brio. She got drunk and started flicking salt on us and calling me and my sisters vampires. And, you know, one of the punchlines was like, wrong seasoning, it's garlic, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, not like, oh, God, full embarrassment. I'll never live this down. We were in Orlando, Florida, so everybody's a mess. But I think, like, it was just those types of experiences, the public sort of embarrassment sort of – really, I guess what I'm saying is such an opposite of my mother. Yeah. And I think that actually instilled a strange that still resides in me today, like a very weird, I don't know. I guess it was guilt in some ways. I could pinpoint that, like going home and accidentally calling my mom dad, you know, like my mind being so scrambled and then feeling guilty. I was never like cruel to her. We never like (laughs) played tricks on her or were cruel, but it was so different from my mom, even from, from, from meals to to Christmas tree, you know, like my mom's classic Christmas tree. She's white, fake tree. Yeah. You yeah. know, like my mom's, we're having breakfast for dinner and she's like, I cooked a gourmet meal. But really that just means like couscous. I, I think it's like, <laughs> or like three cheese macaroni. Yeah. Craft out of a wow. <laughs> but I think it was just like there was a sense of like odd guilt to like, am I supposed to like her or, you know, and just her being so different, like the the publicness of of her, you know, like even like being at a meal or something, if I didn't like something, waiter, you know, like get over here. She didn't like that. What can we do? And whereas with my mom, that would have never. Oh, that's, what, yeah, that's more to, you know, like the cringe yeah, yeah. factor. Yeah. Um. So just just a lot. 
I guess, of, of changes. And then I think, too, there's something that I've, I'm trying to pinpoint that I've worked through in therapy, which is just be like the idea that my dad would leave, you know, and find, go in this opposite direction. And then having us have to go down there and share time and space with this woman who, in some ways, I felt, again, I'm sorry I keep saying this. I just, it's like I don't like telling jokes out of turn. But, like, I have a joke about it in my special. <laughs> it sounds like I'm, like, oddly trying to promote does, my special. No, I know. But the truth I, is I, I don't what you're like doing. telling jokes that, I know. I, that maybe people are going to hear. I know. I don't and know it, why I, I should probably let go of that. Yeah, you know what? You really should because, A, I, I used to do this, uh, the, especially coming from improv, when uh-huh. I would do uh, press junkets for things that I was on. And, you know, you have to do, like, 20 interviews in a row and they all ask the same questions. And eventually you end up with the best answer. You know, you workshop the answer by the sixth or seventh person. And I would feel so guilty about thinking up a funny answer for something. And then, and I would, and initially in my improv training, I'd say the funny answer. And then I'd be like, well, next time I got to say something else. Like in three minutes when the other person from who gives a shit news (laughs) comes in here with their videotape that they plug into the machine. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, but but it does. But it took a while to be like, no, just give the funniest answer. That's all anyone yeah. does. And I know I because listeners I, are going to be like, Beth, shut the fuck up and just say the joke. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too is that I think that you're probably thinking that there's going to be somebody who went like, oh, she tried to tell that as a as just like a truthful anecdote when it's actually a joke. Right, and, right. But it is also true. Yeah, <laughs> I think but, some people but, but are also, always so. Like, so shocked when I, I think I've, I, I've been posting some sta- old stand-up clips because my special is coming out next month. So I've just been trying to be like, get people excited for it. Yeah. And I have a joke that's just references a time where I would do this party trick where I put a tall boy between my tits and drank it without hands. <laughs> and I posted that photo As, with yeah. the clip and people were like, yeah. oh my God, it's real. I'm like, I can't tell you something that isn't real. <laughs> right. right, right. I mean, of course there's comedic exaggeration sometimes like if i say i bit off my niece's toe i didn't really do that but like for the most part what i'm saying has happened to me anyway you're right and the joke is basically i always felt like my dad chose my stepmother over me and my sisters and i get it like she gave him head and all we had were questions you know so (laughs) as an adult (laughs) i do get it but and it didn't really feel like we weren't making that a rivalry it just felt like when you're splitting this sh- time with your father, with this other woman who's used to being with him all the time, you think she'd be more gracious about being like, yeah, just go do whatever you want. You're only yeah. here for a short period of time. Yeah. Even it though it is, felt like ages to us. It's a cha- it's a challenging thing when you're, I, uh, you know, my mom got remarried and I, I don't particularly remember, I don't remember there be, I just kind of remember like, just the weirdness of like where, you know, she, she got married and she had been dating my stepdad, but like just the weirdness of like, okay, now we're getting into like his old Pontiac station wagon <laughs> in the rear facing seat, which like I'd never been in one of those. And he had just bought it and it was used and <laughs> it, like in, in the seat, uh, like they obviously, they hadn't cleaned it out. Cause like, there was a bunch of like little toys in the. Oh seat. my gosh! It was it was like a treasure trove, and they took us on their honeymoon. 
because what was she going to do with me and my brother? Right. But just, just weird. Just, okay, now, okay, mom and, and, and Stan are in that cabin. Right. We're like in this adjoining cabin. And I mean, I'm not thinking like, oh, they're over there having sex or whatever. Cause I just wasn't, I mean, I was, I, I just w- didn't put those things together like that. Thankfully. But, yeah. And thankfully I didn't hear anything. But it was just, it was just weird. It was just like, okay, now there's persons in our lives. And, yeah. but I didn't really like, I never felt that threat of like being thrown over for him. I don't, I, I don't have any. That's good. I, yeah, I think my mom kind of gave us that feeling. And I, you know, I just, I got divorced within the last couple of years here. And that was something like my daughter especially was really, I think she had this, just this fear that I was going to marry someone else and just forget all about them. And, yeah. you know, it took a while for her to realize like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can't blame her. Like, yeah, I can, you know, sure. even, even at whatever, you know, she was 13, 14, even, you know, she's, she's probably been around enough men to know like, oh yeah, he might just ditch us. You sure. Know? It, it happens. Yeah. Or she's heard enough stories or whatever it is yeah. and to feel left behind. I think it's a valid fear. And then on the same, in the same, what am I trying to say? You also, like, we were going back to consulting children, and it's like, and also it's your life, and you have to do what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's such, it it is a mix of those things. You don't want this parent to defer, like, it bothers me when I'm watching movies and they are deferring to the children. Maybe it's because I wasn't deferred to, but Mm -hmm. when when I'm watching and they're like, well, are you okay with this? Or what do you think about us getting married? And they're like, no. And then they listen to the kid. I'm like, no, fucking make yourself happy. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that is, the, but you got to, you know, you need to invite them into the process, but kids also kind of, and I think this is what ultimately was like, my biggest frustration as a child is that I, I might get say, but I don't get a real vote. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm kind of like just auditing this class, but I don't yeah. really get <laughs> to take part in the discussion. So, and that's the way, you know, and I mean, going forward, like I say, I mean, I don't know, like if, if I was to meet someone that my kids absolutely loathed, which I can't imagine happening because my kids have pretty good taste. And I think, you know, yeah. but I, but I, you know, I still, I can't imagine like somebody that made me really happy that they, that, yeah, yeah, that they wouldn't want to, they, you know, they have an investment in my happiness too. And not just because I'm a tyrant, but it's, you know, because they love me and they want me to be happy. (laughs) I think the only time for me, like as an outsider, where it's valid is like being protective of your parent. And to me that I've experienced that where it's like you are seeing something they're not. And that is frustrating. Yes. If the kid is like, I don't know about this person and the parent doesn't listen or don't you think they X, Y, or Z and the parent, you know, there, there is such thing as whatever love goggles or yeah, yeah. seeing what you want to see. So sometimes, yeah, I guess it's just, a, it's a delicate balance of both. Yeah. That's always like one of my most frustrating pet peeve movie plot points is a kid going, 
but they're vampires. Yeah. And there's no one believing them. And it's such, it strikes like such a chord with kids of like, no one ever believes me. Yeah. But I think my <laughs> stepmom's an asshole. Yeah. Did your dad, is your dad still with your stepmom or? Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and that, is, I mean, is it difficult ch- that you use these stories as your, your work? My dad is very like, all press is good press uh, for oh. him and his. <laughs> His business. Yeah. Um, What's which his is business? He he dresses up in different costumes and he stands on street corners and yells at people to get them into that business. Some might call it a sign spinner. He calls it a live roadside commercial or a character directional. So he's out there. Like, this is something we grew up helping with. I know you're like, oh, my God, Beth, it's near the end of the podcast and you didn't tell me this sooner. That's, that's always been his job? He did that. I want to say he's been doing it. I don't want. I'm going to get the number wrong. Right. 29 years. Wow. I mean, that's what. Is there money in that? Yeah. I mean, like I remember, I we would all help him. We'd all work the business, and by that, it often meant sitting in the car with AC on, bringing him water, you know, so he wouldn't pass out. Wow. But. Well, he was dressed like Uncle Sam on stilts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was like, my sister Hannah would help him get up on stilts, which, by the way, were meant for drywall. I was drywalling. just joking. Yeah, Holy no. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, he'd be like on a ladder, over, like near an overpass, like for sure, potentially going to die. People throw things at him. I mean, like, yeah, we would. So we'd sit in the car and do that. He always would. I talked to him kind of recently, just. Cause you know memories fade. I don't know. I, I have, yeah. for not for so, being someone who doesn't do drugs. Sometimes I'm worried about my memory. Like, why don't I remember? He he said I would be like bored in the ditch, like <laughs> not happy about it on the side of the road <laughs> in the ditch. I'm not sitting in the car. I'm going to the ditch. I like the outdoors. Catch me in the ditch, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, we would help him and stuff, but we would also. He'd fill out his little invoice, and Beth, can you take the invoice in? And it started at like thirty-five an hour. Wow! Now he's not working eight-hour days, right? Right. But you know, usually lunch rush or dinner about three hours. I want to say wow, three four hour shifts. Do you have a pilot written for this? My I dad. Do. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. I'm I gonna, do. I have if that. Re- if you don't, I'm going to write one. Cause that Jesus was my writing Christ. sample, which got me all my writing work. And then um, I ha- I've been developing a show right now that, that includes this uh, part of his life. It is. Uh, it's a jaw dropper. <laughs> and once again, for the listeners, it is a chunk of my upcoming special on HBO Max, <laughs> August 20th. <laughs> yes. So which if you is want pr- the produced by Team Coco. Absolutely, yeah, couldn't have I, done it without you. I know. I was when I heard, when I saw that, I was like, "Wait a minute!" I thought this was just because, you know, we we enjoy each other's uh, brains, but like, yeah. no, it's all it's all synergy, interconnectedness. It's all what do they call it? Uh, vertical marketing or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I would have so, come on. We would have done this even if I, know, I wasn't I having a special. But it is also weird, weird times. Obviously, yeah, yeah. The zooming. It's, so, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the I don't know. we're having to do. It would it's, be. I just. I think this who would have thought we'd miss a podcast being together? Like, who would have thought you'd miss getting in your car to go to the studio to do a podcast? I and you know what? It doesn't like this is this is great and this is going great and I'm very happy and thankful that you came on here. 
but it is different. It's like, yes. it is different than to be in the same room with somebody. It's more fun. Of I think course. it makes a better kind of just, you You know, I don't know. There's just a better. It's you know, a better energy exchange because there's physical and distance between you. Yeah, you see the, the person space. in 3D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you can see my, I don't know. It's just everything's better communication wise. You see my body language, my eyes, like it's the same thing for me. Why I'm not doing stand up. I just, I, I don't want to do it on zoom. Yeah. The longer I, I go, you. the longer I wonder if I'll do it again. I know that sounds so dramatic and like, I'm begging you to like, be like, no Beth, you have to, you have but to. you know what I mean? It's just like, they need I know you I at, have this. They need you at the chuckle hut. <laughs> the far- who farted factory called and they are de- they're desperate for you uh, but yeah, yeah it's just it is different do you really think that like like that you know you might not do stand-up again or, i feel like my gosh everyone talks so about how weird. scary stand-up is and this or that and it's like well i've just been doing it for 13 years so i'm not i was never stopped to think about how it might be scary yeah. you know and I think the longer I go, I think it's over over 100 days now. It has to be. March 7th is when I re- filmed the special. And that's the last time I did stand-up for an audience was my special. Wow. So I did do one event with the Sklars on Zoom. It was like a fundraiser for their kid's school. Mm-hmm. And it was fine and fun. And I love those guys. And that's why I did it. But it's just not the same. And I was really nervous. Yeah. So that was my first time doing stand-up in 95 days, I remember. And now it's been even longer. Yeah. I just yeah. think, when am I going to do it again? I know there, there are comics touring right now. Oh yeah. No, I, I don't want to like and getting sh- fucking COVID. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm like, I don't want to shit on them. I just, but I don't think it's a good idea for me to do that. Yeah. For people or myself. What, but I mean, but is when there is also going to happen again? Is it making you rethink the actual doing of it or is it just, yes, because absolutely. Is, really? Because um, you know, yes, the pandemic, um, the place I'm in in life, like um, the second wave of the civil rights movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. Sometimes it just feels like, what would I have to add right now that would yeah. be helpful? Yeah. So, I think too, it's important to remember, without being. <laughs> I don't know. I was talking about this with a musician friend. He's like, yeah, but think about the musicians during the 60s and how integral they were to processing everything that was going on. And to me, that makes sense. I'm like, yes, yes, we need music. We need musicians to keep writing. But I'm not applying it to myself. Yeah. I don't know. So no, it's easy. I mean, it's I mean, it's a it's a, a very much of a micro level. But it's like for me on Twitter, like, I, you know, I used to talk about politics a lot more. But now I just kind of feel like. Nobody needs to hear from me right now. I'm right. not going to, all I'm going to do is be dittoing what people who have a much more vital voice and a lot more skin in the game mm-hmm. than, than me. I, yeah. I, I just so feel I like it's be the, the role becomes more amplifying, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For you in a place. But now, but now for you, is it like, is there something like our, do you not miss the crowd? Do you not miss the atmosphere? Do you not miss the... I have such a strange relationship with it. And I think it's changing too. I mean, I look back at all the things that I... I mean, again, sacrifice seems a bit of a stretch. But, you know, things I gave up. I remember yeah. one of my 
you know, I say last real relationships, meaning not someone in the industry, not someone so part of this life with, out here. With a civilian, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Was Nick, and he's somebody I went to college with, and like every. This is getting, this is me being like, no, everything happened for a reason. But it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, that ended because of where I was in life. And I was so, I was driven and I had goals and they were stand-up related. And to say that it was, our relationship ended because of stand-up is not too far from the truth. Mm. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, so I chose this. And it's gotten me to where I am. And I can't have regrets about that because he's moved on and I've moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not about being like, maybe I can make that work again. You know, it, it's more like everything I've done has led me to this point. Yeah. I achieved something and put passion and, and anger and um, hard work and time and energy into my hour and it's coming out. Yeah. And that's like a piece of work. So now what? Do I want to do that again? Yeah. On the in on these terms? Yeah. I don't know if I have the discipline currently. Well, what if it say the COVID is, you know, we're free and clear, there's a vi- or, you know, there's a what do you call it? A, a the vaccine and by, you know, like Thanksgiving we're out of this and real li- you know, normal life mm-hmm. returns. Are you like back in the clubs? I yeah, I mean, I guess I might be. Yeah, I yeah. would. I'll feel so out of it, and I and I think so, I I I think I underestimate sometimes just what feels like crap to me might be is still potentially a magic trick to the crowd. Yeah. So I have to maybe remember that. <laughs> it yeah, goes back no. to this discussion of me going. Uh, I have a joke about this. It goes yeah. back to that because. It one thing I learned from touring with Sarah Silverman is like she stand up is also acting in the sense that each time you tell the joke, it's, it's a performance. It should be yes. like the first time you tell the joke. I am over here in my head struggling with being like disingenuous. So I'm like, you guys know this one. So even if I'm on stage and I don't have an hour of new material because we've been in isolation and I don't want to tell another joke about I can't fit in jeans, you know what I mean? Like, so I go back to maybe old material instead of being like, here is a great act that I worked many years on. I'm like, mm, you guys know this one. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, no, you, I should be presenting it. Like I ha- I should have this whole podcast. Like there's my jokes. Yeah. And instead yeah. I'm like, I'm shit. <laughs> Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. 
Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Can't you tell my love's a grow? Does the crowd aspect, is that, are you like, do you have an ambivalence to working for crowds? I, no, no. I think I've developed a strange, uh, I don't even know how to phrase this. It's like, instead of seeing the, like, I, I need to see it more positively. It goes back to almost like you, you know, if you put something out there, yeah, you can get. It's already difficult to do that, which people just brush past. <laughs> it's already difficult to put yourself out there, put something of your work out, and then you can have. We've we've talked about this. All of us as performers and public figures have talked about this hundreds of millions of times. But you can get ninety nine positive feedback and the one yeah. comment that's negative. So instead of me going to a crowd and being like, "These people came to see me. They love you." They're excited. I'm like, don't get cocky. You don't have fans. And the one person who's there who starts to heckle me, that's what I'm pulling from it. Yeah. it like I need to be defensive. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like coming out and be like, hello, you're welcome. We're yeah, all here yeah. together because of me. Like I don't want to think like that. And so I think that if I could go back in time, I would have a bit more of a positive view of it. Yeah. Um, but I also think some of the material in my new special is um, potentially feather feather ruffling. And I and I had that in my mind as I toured it. Mm. Like I needed to be a little tough. Yeah. To, to talk about it and what I would get in return. Yeah. Yeah. And did um, you get that? Was there pushback from the crowd about some of the stuff that you were mostly saying? Mostly in Raleigh, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And so when Bobcat went there after me and experience that racist incident in the crowd and this like fight that took place it almost made me i don't want to say feel better but it justified my bad experience there yeah yeah because i was like oh yeah that's why they hated it yeah because they're and again they we can't really say that because i had a lot of amazing people come out in raleigh so there's it, there is a lot of positive in the crowd who's with you who's on board but there's the people there who <laughs> like at his shows broke out in a fight you know yeah. so i guess if we're talking scales the the scales were tipped towards i'm not welcome here <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah, know that's it's it's difficult because you don't get to choose who comes to see these things and different towns mm-hmm. are different really different i'm if i'd been know? in durham i think it would have been a fully different experience yeah i was yeah. supposed to be but my agent had messed up and scheduled those things too close together I was uh, supposed to be a motorco in Durham. 
would have been a fully different experience. Yeah. But then yeah. that goes back to the argument of should you only be preaching to the choir? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah, but I mean, are you preaching or are you? I'm definitely not preaching, but yeah. I am making people ideally question maybe something that they've thought about. Yeah, I know, but I mean, but it's also kind of like you're also there. I, I mean, mainly to be funny. Yep. And 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 that's the best part of this of any version of this stuff that we do. But um, I mean, for me, I just kind of feel like no, yeah. I, why not have a good time? You know, why not talk to people that want to hear? Like, would you rather have a dinner, uh, you know, have dinner and have a conversation with somebody that doesn't want to hear anything you have to say or somebody that's like, yeah, kind of halfway on board with you. And then, you know, you kind of, yeah, maybe you win them over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had to do that in Vegas. You know, when I, like, I did Kimmel's club twice last year and normally I would definitely not do a club twice, but Vegas is not the same right anytime you go there yeah yeah and that's the difference with that but i just eventually started adopting a way to open the set which is like hi i'm this person you don't know because i'm not a famous person Mm -hmm. and um my jokes will not hit you over the head my punchlines will not hit you over the head like it's really more of a scavenger hunt so best of luck to you all (laughs) you know and then they are like okay now we know what we're in for yeah yeah because if they're expecting Carrot Top, which again, no shade on him, I think he's a he's a very talented performer. They're not going to get that with me in yeah. Vegas, so I have yeah. to tell you what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that was my experience in clubs early on, where it yeah. was just like because I was even more subtle and potentially comatose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not exactly. I'm closer to my personality on stage now than I ever have been. I but when I, I, first started, I actually like, have noticed that over time because yes. you know yeah there my was, first Conan said I'm like a, like sort of asleep. <laughs> well, it wasn't that you were asleep, but it was that there was you. Were, it was definitely a persona, mm-hmm. an onstage persona that's different than now you and and now yeah yeah now is much more you which yeah you know I. Uh, takes a long time to kind of get there yeah but i mean it's and it but it's always like that's kind of the point you know i mean is to be you as much and i think too you know like when you were saying because i definitely when you were talking about the one person out of a hundred and that i you know to say to yourself like i don't have fans like who you know yeah and then but then on the other hand so then you go to like you know, you know, I. You don't want to go out there and go like these people love me, they right? Always love me, and here I am to give them the gift of me. You know, it's in between, right? Is where you got to be. Because, I need to find that better. I yeah, think. it just it, it. I I mean, from having from just having been doing this and you know, being old, uh, it takes time. But it, it's like yeah, you rent because it's like. The people that are really into their that, you know, getting high on their own supply or, you know, mm-hmm. like auto filleting themselves about yep. how fucking important they are. They're miserable fucks. And the people but then also too, like to think like I'm garbage and I'm dirt and I I don't deserve any of this is it's not, also not fun. It's a drag. <laughs> it's a real fucking drag, you know. So it's kind of like, yeah, I do this, but it doesn't, you know, it's like, yeah, I just do this. This is my job, you know, and then I, you know, 
I mean, I'm very proud of having been on a TV show that matters to people and having done on a few different TV shows that matter to people and having done work that matters to people. But I fucking, you know, I'm still like now just like a guy in a house in Burbank with a dog, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, who doesn't vacuum enough, you know, I, 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 it's, you know, and I don't want it because I don't. It may, I almost I probably have like an allergy to self-aggrandizement that's Yeah, I think much. it's because if you see it in other people, it bothers me. But yes. I think it bothers me because it works. So, you know, you see some of these people, and I don't even want to shit on them necessarily, but like I see what they're doing and the sort of like, I'm looking at like, you're not God, man, you know, yeah. or a woman. It's like. To me, I'm kind of like, just fucking sit down. It's like, but why am I doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I should try to be more like them. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, because I don't, I, I'm in that same, I'm, you know, probably 20 years older than you. And I'm still kind of still living that. It's just to a lesser degree. It probably bothers me. You know, it's probably less of, a, uh, it's lower down on the agenda but I still have that kind of same thing where I just see people that are like world eaters. I yeah. call them. They just, it's like, it, it's not, and there's never enough. And I just am like, Oh, right. I just couldn't do that. I mean, and like, I, I'm going to, an anarchist here. And I don't want to say that Conan is, is a world eater, but like Conan has, has big ambition. I mean, you don't get to be, what he is without having ambition. Right. And in between the tonight show and the TBS show, there was this, we were getting on, we went on a tour and we were getting on a private plane and there were about 15 of us, you know, like getting on this private plane to go do the Conan show. And there's like, and I'm thinking as we're getting on a plane, there's like two semi trucks loaded with gear driving to the gig. And it's going to be, and I just was like, I could not handle that pressure. Like if it was about like the Andy show and it was like my private plane and there were 15 people to go do the Andy show and yeah. trucks with Andy gear, I would just be like, oh, yeah, I, you know, dis- I'd want to disappear. I just couldn't yeah. handle the pressure of it, you know? Yeah, I found I find so much of my career and comfort in what I always have been, which is like the kid's sister. Yeah. So when I tour with someone, I open for them and when I... On their show, I write for them. And um, when I'm acting, I'm a supporting character. So it's sort of like that in a way. And it's yeah. part of my stand-up too. So it's like, well, this is who I am to you. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like your best friend. Yeah. I'm not the big person you're here to see and get the autograph. I'm like here to make you laugh because I'm like your friend. Yeah, I heard. So that Steve, type of feeling. I heard Steven Van Zant once talking about, uh, you know, being Springsteen's guitarist. And having fronted his own bands and then just said like, yeah, I like it better when I'm the guitarist. Yeah. It's just like, it just, it works better for me. It's less pressure. And I totally relate to it. I'm like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I, yeah. I, as, as time goes on too, I have, like, I'm trying to figure out a way to be in show business, but not have to do like 80% of the ugly, shitty show business stuff, mm-hmm. like yeah. being on podcasts of talk show sidekicks. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the fucking eat your vegetables of show business. Uh, <laughs> um, 
No, I mean, but this part just... is the fun part. All right. No, I, I'm kidding. Uh, but I mean, but uh, like the publicity part and all the kind of schmoozy parts, just I just yeah. don't have any patience for it. Anymore Not to mention that it ch- has changed so drastically. Yeah. That's the other part of it. You know, so much of it, and not just because of the pandemic, pandemic but, you know, because, you know, there's digital premieres and we're doing this right now, but because this would have happened even if not. But yeah, I, I know, I, I, I do know what you're saying, where it's yeah. just sort of like what's changed so much too feels like how you, we're just so, we're open, we're like so easily accessible. That didn't used to happen. Mm-hmm. used to be a comic that you went and saw and toured and that was your time with them. Right. It wasn't the chance to be like, Andy, send us a pic of what you're eating right now. Right, right. Right. You'd be like, you know, you see me on the TV and that's it. So, like, there is a strange sort of accessibility and openness that can leave you feeling very vulnerable, too. Yeah. Which is odd. Yeah, well, you just, you don't answer any DMs. That's the that's the answer. <laughs> just uh, decline, decline, decline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, when you... Uh, when did you really like? Was there a point when you thought like, okay, I can do this for a living? Like this is like, do you remember a point, or was it sort of more of a slow build? Yeah, I, and are I you feel still like in it, Ohio? Because I know you went went to Chicago. Did you go to Chicago to do stand up? Yeah, I yeah. left school. Like I finished college. I did graduate um, in Ohio, and I moved to Chicago the ne- very next day. Um, wow. Yeah, I just got. Why fuck around? Yeah, just graduate, move to Chicago, and I was gonna do a play there, and I did a play there for like you know one hundred dollars. Act in a play or? Yeah, I was in the Good Person of Szechuan by Bertolt Brecht, and um, so I was a theater person. I was gonna do theater there, and I want to say six months later is when I went to my first open mic. Oh really? But. Yeah. So, and I spent four years there and I was very, yeah, again, driven and just like goal setting. And this is what I want to do. And I knew I would move to LA. I thought about New York and Canaan was like, it's a $10,000 detour. And I was like, I've never seen that amount of money. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I saved it the most I could possibly save. And it was not much now that I'm looking back. It's astonishing. I thought I should move with that amount of money. I I, I think I had I forget if it was twelve or sixteen hundred dollars. I think it was twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, and I saved up for a long time. Um, I can't believe I did that. And um, and I think the first time I felt like maybe I can do this, like this is going to work, was I had, well, t- I guess it was like a mix of two things. One stands out as my evening with Beth Stelling at Meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I got to like do an extended set at Meltdown, I was like, maybe I can do this. You know, it felt good and it felt like the closest step to my personality on stage. And I I can't remember the year now, but. It doesn't matter. 14, maybe. Google it, people. (laughs) Come on. But yeah, that was the first time I was like, maybe I can do this. I be myself on stage instead of this anxiety of, of a comic with a script. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's there's realities of feeling like maybe I can do this, which would have been Christian Duguay hiring me at Ridiculousness, mm-hmm. the show. That was my first, to me, break, you know, where I was not having to live off of my 
paycheck from Intelligentsia, which I think was around three hundred dollars every two weeks. Uh huh. I mean, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. And how long were you on ridiculousness? I do, I wasn't even. I was just like, I think my, I forget my title, but you know, we were just in the writer's room. But what that really meant was, you know, coming up with the categories and yeah, stuff like that. So I think it was like a producer position um, yeah. or whatever. I well, can't it's remember MTV, how long so they're not going to pay you as a writer, right? Because you would have to join the guild. I'm familiar yes. with that concept. Exactly. Yeah. So I forget how long I was there, um, but it was really only one season, and that was enough for me to bridge the gap between nannying the coffee shop errands. Now I'm getting paid by ridiculousness, which was the most money I'd ever had in my life and touring opening for, um, I think it was Jesselneck at the time. Mm -hmm. So like I was able to finally, it's like, I always compare it to elf to Will Ferrell as elf on the escalator, you know, one foot on the ground, one foot going up the escalator and you're like, ah, should I let go? (laughs) You know? And I quit my job at Intelligentsia and I was like, I think I'm going to be able to, somehow do this and you but did I kept, pretty much yeah right? yeah but yeah. i kept living in a dining room um for about seven years just to be safe oh. my rent was like 650 so i yeah, couldn't yeah i was living there room. up until writing on crashing actually wow <laughs> i'm a very yeah i'm a safe <laughs> fly safe <laughs> oh well it's all i mean look you're living the champagne lifestyle now I freaking have a bookshelf, dude. I know people. People don't can't see it. I, we're on a Zoom call here, but she has caviar smeared around her mouth. <laughs> I'm hoping that's it's just caviar. that's just my mustache. <laughs> I haven't been able to get to the, <laughs> the depilatory shop. The depilatory shop. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, so you've got uh, when does when does the uh, when does this special uh, that the hour drop? August twentieth. August 20th. HBO Max. Team Coco collabo. Nice. All right. (laughs) Well, uh, I'll watch. I would love that. And um, I'm sure they give you a private link. I'll be brutal too. Yeah, please do. Send me your notes. (laughs) Well, what do you, I mean, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, because the where are you going portion of this. We've talked a little bit about it, but I mean, what what do you like all things working out exactly how you want what what's what where does it go from here i'm all things working out exactly how i want the industry reopens um i do get to tour uh again and i feel like the ideal for me is is not i don't my not like it would be bad. I just, I don't picture arenas. I picture like, I would love to be able to tour in smaller theaters or venues where it's people who I know want to be there <laughs> as opposed yeah. to when you first start and you're headlining and people just expect a comedian and get you and, you're, and they're like, what is this? No, um, I, you know, believe people me, the there room, to see you. <laughs> the room makes a huge difference. Like, yeah. Know. So that's, oh, I, I do want stand up to always be a part of my life, but I've, I've been developing a show. Um, so like, where do I see it going? I, I hope that it goes to series and <laughs> I get to do seasons of it and yeah. it helps people. <laughs> is it, is it, <laughs> is it your, I mean, are you the star of it? It's and like it, a yeah. semi, yeah, semi autobiographical dark comedy I've been developing yeah. with Sharon Horgan. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, I would, I would play myself in it and it's yeah. about me and my mom and my sisters and, 
basically how childhood trauma affects romantic relationships and partners. The idea that, you know, if someone does something bad, are they a monster forever or is there eventual redemption? And the idea that if someone who's been through trauma or victimized, are they a victim forever or are they able to eventually move past it, shake it off and Mm -hmm. make better choices with better awareness. And this is something that you have very bravely done in public too. I mean, over time you've, you know. Yeah. It's definitely been a big part of me. I never wanted it to be, but I think, you know, by sharing it, my initial intention was to be helpful to other women and sort of almost just shoot that awareness out to my community. And that story is, you know, just very much got away from me. That wasn't within my control. And Mm -hmm. so that has continued to affect me in the sense of like, well, I don't want to be public like that again. Yeah. Because it ran away from me. I lost control. People can make any judgment they want on it. But the initial intention was to protect women around me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and uh, I mean, and, to, for people that don't know, and it's not, but you were public about an abusive relationship that you were in, right? From someone who, you know in the community, it wasn't about revenge or or calling them out personally. It was just meant for the community because that's what my audience was at the time. Mm-hmm. And of course, I had I was touring and I had a following, but it was more like the idea of me wanting to share because that's kind of what my whole life up to that point had been, which is what I shared with you even early, you know, my field hockey team, I'm making them laugh about my family. So it's almost like, to me, it felt like, are you going to pinch the butt of somebody that has a megaphone in their hand? Cause they're going to squeal and everybody's going to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like, that's how my life had been up to that point. And if it happens to me, I'm going to talk about it into the mic. I think I've learned all kinds of lessons along the way, which is like maybe some things you get to choose how much you share with someone, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's that's been something I've toyed with and how personal do you want to be? But I don't know. It's well, and it. also, you know, I mean, having been through a divorce and being a public person, there were some things – you know, I, I didn't share a lot, but mm-hmm. but there were some things that I just kind of felt like and it wasn't it was also kind of just like people in my work life and stuff where, you know, I went I wasn't like crazy, crazy, but like I came apart and there were mm-hmm. time, there were things I needed to say that were part of me dealing with this. The worst thing that ever happened to me. And like, sorry, you know, but yeah. yeah, like I'm going through the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And just because you're an adult doesn't yeah. mean you have it together. And yep. just because of how you dealt with that situation, a traumatic event, doesn't mean that's who you are now. No. Or that that was the best version of yourself. But yep. being public, you know, in some sense, there's record of it. Yeah. You know, and that's can be traumatizing too well you need i felt at the time it's like hey i need to heal and i i mean not like in some sort of corny you know ayanla fix my life kind of way but like i it's like hey i'm i'm coming i've come apart i this is a process part of it is going to be public because i can't even i can't even fully get a handle on why part of it has to be public it just is and it's what I feel. And instinctively, I felt like that's, you know, 
what needed to happen. And I also think for your situation, if I'm if I may tell you what your situation was, uh, <laughs> no, but you know, I, I mean, one aspect of what happened to you was the notion that you were supposed to keep the secret, right. and that is that is like if you keep that secret, then you're complicit in that in the keeping of future secrets. Yes. So when you come and say like I'm not going to keep this secret and I'm going to say this happened to me and it's bad and it's wrong, it does you know that's a message like sure. oh, you know like because there are there are very base people that cuz everybody gets angry. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets furious at their partner. Yeah. There's a difference in some people where they lash out yeah, absolutely. And violently. And they need to learn. Absolutely. Because I think another that. aspect of it too, which I sort of alluded to, but it came to my attention that I was not the only one, even though I had asked if I was and 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 the person said, yes, I was, but I wasn't. Yeah. So that was for me also the impetus. Like it's got to stop or it'll happen again. Yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be my responsibility. But when someone's asking you, like you just said, don't tell anybody this, you know, like depending on who saw that, they might've needed to hear that too. That if someone tells you to keep something secret, well, maybe you shouldn't, Yeah. you know, like, please don't share this. It's like, well, I think I need to share it. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's protect keeping, myself and others. Yeah. It's keeping you a prisoner of your own, you know, your own pain. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like you're saying, though, when you have to, like what you said, the second sort of aspect of it is the public aspect. And that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother thing to deal with. Yes. Even if I had dealt with with this within my family, it would have been tough. But then to share it more openly, which at the time was just, again, like you, like I relate to what you're saying. It's like, I just did it. I just felt like I had to do it. Yeah. You know, it's not like I thought about it for months and years and planned it and knew that this was the right and only way. Right. You know, it was more like a, this has got to come out. Yeah, it's self-preservation. It's not an aggressive act. It's like you said, it's not a grudge. It's not scoring points. It's Mm-mm. it's self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting near the end here. I don't like to keep you too long. I mean, I'm sure you have <laughs> lots to do. Oh, it's it's stacked for the day. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm gonna open it. the door and see if there's mail next. <laughs> I'm gonna do that maybe three more times. All right. Uh, what do you, what is like? What's the best thing that you have taken away from your life this far? Like what? Like what are you happiest about? What's the the best lesson you've learned? Wow. The best thing that I've taken from life so far, I guess in relation to, I'm looking at my, my office wall for, for inspo. I have a letter from a young gal who came and saw me in Portland framed and she brought me a little care package, which I, you know, I've seen happen to other comics, but I wouldn't say it happens. It's, you know, I'm not the person who's showered in gifts after a, like a, <laughs> Figure skater. Well, it's about um, time. Come on, people. <laughs> Shower me. From now on. But she wrote me this letter that at the time, of course, made me cry. And I'm sure if I read it now, it'd make me cry again. But 
she showed up to a show on must have been Thursday, came back on Saturday with this little care package and this letter that I opened. And it was like curated to both of our um, similarities. And she just shared with me, like, it's so nice to know you exist. Someone who all these things like me, X, Y, and Z enlisted them. Yeah. And so I guess like my biggest lesson, even in relation to what we just talked about, like, what do I have to offer? I think it's that. I think it's sharing my vulnerabilities, things I've been through. For her, it was like, you know, whether, you know, having like a MAGA dad, having been with an abusive partner, being somewhat germaphobic, um, you know, having someone give you a hard time about your weight, you know, all the things that she shared that she saw in me that I said into a microphone in public. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I... And got it's laughs. So, it's so it. nice to yeah, know you yeah. exist. Yeah. And so um, I guess the nicest lesson to learn is like, you know, when you share, you can um, help other people who don't have it in them to share, you yeah. know, who, who would otherwise feel alone if you hadn't said it into the mic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm, I've never been like a big, I've always, you know, like I'm kind of from an absurdist school, you know, there's not like, like I don't, the notion of political humor to me doesn't work because I don't know how to make it funny. You know, it just isn't like the news isn't funny to me. Yeah. Um, but I have been open about struggles with depression or whatever. And it's been, and I don't, I didn't do it because you know, I, I, it always makes me squeamish when I hear celebrity types talking about, you know, I talked about my struggles so I could help those out there, but it is like you talk about your struggles and you can help people. And, and I have had, it's like so many beautiful encounters with people that just the simple thing of saying like, you talk so openly about struggling with depression and I could never do that. And, it, you know, it's like the version of what you're saying, but it's like I wasn't on a stage, you, you know, I, it was either on a podcast or on an interview or something. But they're like, it made me feel like I could do it. Like it made me feel like I could I- admit this thing. And it's just to me, like, like to to not say like, uh, you know, the, the people's relationship with their own mental health is like I always say, like, would you walk around with a broken leg like, with a bone sticking out of your leg? You'd go to the hospital, you know, but people will walk around being miserable for years because they think it's some sort of it it, it betrays some sort of inherent weakness in them. Yeah. Like, or that, you know, oh, people might know. And they're like, babe, people know. Yeah, they see people, the bone yeah, sticking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, it is, you know, I, it always it's it's usually good to share. You know, yeah, right. And I've times, also I've yeah. also learned, like we were saying before, it's like some things are just for you. Yeah. And so you're going to learn falter. the difference. Yeah. You're yeah. going to falter. But yeah, I think too, just it's again, I guess cheesy. But when you when you look at back at life, you think like, oh, I wish this didn't happen or that didn't happen. It's like you can't take it back because that's life. So I guess I'm grateful for all the traumatic and events that have made me who I am, you know, like. I feel stronger for it. I'm glad I've experienced those parts of life and have been able to, like you're saying, my job to me has been make dark things funny. And yeah. if I can do that, then to me, I guess I have some sort of power over them. But 
it might help somebody else too. Well, keep doing it, please. I will. Okay, good. I'm gonna. Um, and your what is what is the name of your hour? It's called Girl Daddy. Girl which, Daddy, which is the last. I guess you'll find out in the special, but it's also it's an old tweet of mine, which is basically I've been called a female comic so many times. If I have kids, I'm making them call me Girl Daddy. <laughs> but you know, there's more. There's more to that bit. Right. You gotta Girl- watch to find out. Girl Daddy uh, would look good on a T-shirt. I'd yeah, I'm going to have them. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. have them at bestselling.com, baby. Check out the merch at bestselling.com. <laughs> Coming soon. It's not up yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for of doing course. this. Thank I you really for having me. What a great it. way to start my day because you know I was in bed right before this. I know. I actually got I got up and took the dog to daycare, but that's about all I did before this. So. Yeah, that's something. Uh, yeah. I didn't leave the house. I just got my hair into a shape. <laughs> Well, no shape is a shape. Ooh, look at this one. Oh, oh, it's a kicky curl. <laughs> Fun, loving, and free. <laughs> All right, Beth, I I release you. Um, okay. And and I look forward to seeing uh, the special on uh, HBO Max. You said August twentieth. August twentieth, HBO Max. All Same right. day as Chelsea Handler's. Hopefully, people stick around for mine. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, people, and uh, and uh, we will get back at you uh, next time on the three questions. Thank you. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golitsa Hayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.